ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Hello, and thank you for joining the Chris and Andre Show. This is episode 33. Triple Trays. I knew you were going to do that again. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> That's I the whole reason he was laughing at the beginning of it. And so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I really, I don't. I, I cannot keep my mouth shut when I know you're getting ready to start an episode. And I've also, <laughs> I've also come to know that you expect it. So I would hate to not deliver on that. That would be... That would be inconsistent, and then I get annoyed by inconsistency. So yes, if there's one thing we know about Andre, it's that <laughs> he prefers consistency above all. <laughs> if you're gonna be a jerk, just do it all the time, right? That's if you're right. Gonna be, if you're gonna be nice, just do it all the time. All the time. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about some technology, man. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but um, again, this is one of those times where like, I'll probably have a better way to process most of it later on, but yeah, I've got some thoughts that I think are, are tangential uh, to, to a lot of current things that I would, that I do want to share, but I can save that for the end because it's kind of a, it's a bit of a monologue piece, I guess. <laughs> okay. But it's not, it's not, it, it, you'll see. I think it, it, it I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I've, I, there's a lot of things where, you know, I've been putting a lot of thought into things, but um, then life, you know, life is kind of what, um, yeah. Jumps like, up and yeah. bites you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Then, then there's life, right? But, um, yeah, so I know you got a Chromebook. Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Helena started school. She's doing the virtual academy, and I have my Mac that I use for doing this stuff and that I actually use for a good bit of my work now just because I hate my Windows interface. Uh, I have my Windows machine, but because that's my work computer, I can't really just let her, like, take that to school with her. And right. so I was looking for uh, a relatively, you know, affordable option. Um, since it was specifically something I was getting for her school, I knew I didn't, you know, I mean, in Chromebooks in general, like you, you're paying as much for the, the, I guess, the functionality of it, the additional functionality on top of the operating system. You know, like, is it right. a touch screen? Is it how big is the screen? I wanted a small one that was lightweight for her. And so I so like an 11.6. Yep. Yep. Went, th- went with the Samsung um, 11.6 that has the uh, Celeron processor in it. Um, I think it's got four gigs of RAM, um, you know, 16 gigs of storage or something like that. Uh, you know, what you mean to tell me is you've been using it the whole time. <laughs> no, actually. So I have not used it. I got it set up for her. Um, and then that was pretty much it. After that, I gave it to her, and she's been using it. I've hopped on it a couple of times to try and get her access to things. That's And right. so in terms of the machine itself, it's great. It has been fantastic so far. It it literally, like, you open it up, and boom, it's just it's there and running. Like, everything loads very quickly. 
you know, she's just surfing and watching some videos and then doing like the little bits of, you know, online schoolwork and stuff. And so it's not anything super, you know, processor intensive, but it gets the job done. Um, it is very lightweight, which I like. Honestly, my biggest complaint, and it's not even about the, it's not about the hardware, but the software. So, and it's, I think, Google is, I'm sure, working on fixing this. And it's a, I think they found themselves in this position kind of accidentally. When you create a Google account, if the age that the person is is under 13, then you can only create that Google account under like the family link program. Right. Which is nice because then whatever it is that they want to do, they essentially have to ask for permission if it's something you haven't already granted them, which is fantastic. Unless you're trying to do something. (laughs) (laughs) And so the first thing I ran into was trying to get her logged into her school stuff. And it was saying that she couldn't access that because the site wasn't approved. But I wasn't getting notifications on my family link thing. The family link app wanted me to have a device that I was setting up for her. But the Chromebook at least that specific type of Chromebook wasn't uh, on the list of approved devices that you can set up through family link. And so, wow. Yeah, it was a whole run around. I eventually got, so, and this is what part of what happened was that Google realized that they couldn't rely on or require parents to go and set up individual accounts for their kids. And then for them to go through the process of approving everything that the school was going to need them to approve one by one. So what they did is they allowed the schools to create accounts for the kids that they log into automatically when they log into like their portal thing for the school. Cool. Yeah. And then they figured out, okay, well now we need to figure out how we allow parents to link that to their account, which I was able to do. So I've gotten like that far. Now the problem I'm running into is with a specific program called Jamboard. I don't even know what it's for. But every time she goes to access it, it says she, she that she is not authorized to because of her account type, because she is a 13 and under. Gotcha. And so I looked on all of the support forums. There's a bunch of people who have said, hey, this is a problem. This has been a problem for months, apparently, because this was back in like September that I started end of 2019 that I started seeing some of these things. Um, but yeah, when you, when you basically have a Chromebook that is set up with an, with a child's account for Google, then you have this issue that you run into trying to access certain programs for the school. But on the plus side of it, the school is being incredibly flexible with all of this. And so it's not like the end of the world, but I'm going to probably spend a little bit of time later tonight trying some different debugging stuff that I found to see if any of that works. But overall, you know, I like, I like the machine, I think. I want to say that the retail price on it was like three thirty, right? You know, so I mean, like v- roughly half of what I probably spent, a little less than half of what I spent on my Windows machine. And I, I mean, I like the hardware on it just as well as I like my Lenovo personally. Yeah, I mean, it's I figured Samsung does a good job with mobile devices in general, and so that is kind of like right in that sweet spot moving from mobile device into, you know, laptop computer. And so that would be a decent. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of good things about them. Um, it, it's just a matter of it, it. It's like 
what's the end user going to use it for? And I don't think a lot of people really think about that. They go out and spend, like, I think anything more than $600 for a computer is probably too much. Um, for the, especially for the average user. I mean, (laughs) unless you're doing some heavy computing or, you know, video editing and, you know, graphic, uh, creation and stuff like that. But yeah, I just I just think anything over six hundred dollars, you gotta you gotta really explain to me what that computer does. Um, and I I'm kind of in a similar position. Like uh, you know, we had a couple of end of life machines in our house, and I bought two HP like mini desktops. They were like super super cheap, like one seventy three or something like that on Amazon a piece. Nice. Um, and again, although they do have Windows on it, I had to like concede to my wife because she really enjoys the use of Microsoft Office products. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter uses uh, Microsoft Office through school. And so I, I still have to get a family account. But it's like, yeah, well, they're not me. So I don't, I'm not going to use them. Yeah. Uh, like, so ultimately, you don't really care. Yeah. So I, you know, they're spec'd out fairly decently for like, uh, when you think about like a terminal computer, um, where, you know, not everybody has figure out a way to do cloud-esque programs for office productivity. And that's not the, the norm for a lot of people yet. But I do think in the future, that's going to be more of a thing. I, I remember Larry Ellison back in, I think it was 95. And his dream was to build dumb terminals. And I think the Chromebook is an iteration of that. Uh, because when you think about it, a lot of the computing is done in the cloud anyway. Yeah. And most people, they're just browsing the web or using some SaaS product. Uh, and it's this is not me being demeaning towards anybody that has a computer. It's just like, when you think about it, do you need a sledgehammer for a finishing nail? I so. mean, how much time do, outside of work, you know, do most people spend on a computer anyways? Right. You know, if you really think about it, most of, most of what you I even need to do in your life these days is designed to be done on a mobile device. I mean, there's either an yeah. app or there's a mobile site for it somewhere. And yeah. even if there's not a mobile site, you can navigate most desktop sites somewhat, you know, effectively on a mobile device, unless they're, you know, just being total assholes about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this, it's a pain in the neck. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, that's why I'm making a mobile app. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to you know, have to navigate a desktop site on my mobile device by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But, you know, like I can if I absolutely, if you twist yeah, my mobile, arm about it. Yeah, mobile design is kind of, it's wonky in and of itself sometimes. Well, that's that's why you do mobile first. Hey, Tetchy. Yeah, mobile, well, I think that's, uh, uh, I I, I'm not I know. I I I just it's, I don't believe again. That. I think it depends on who your end user is, and I think it depends yeah. on what you're doing, right? Like yeah. what what's your purpose? Are you just trying to make it accessible, or are you trying? Or is your goal to get people to experience your site on the web on the, on their mobile device? I mean, you, that is very true, and I think that um, from a, from a developer's point of point of view especially a, a one man shop. I'm not a designer. So like, yeah. it's a lot more effective for me to just make a mobile app. It's like, I'm not going to spend too much time trying to uh, have a, a, a dual purpose web app. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, from a, a I think especially from a software 
standpoint. I, I wholeheartedly agree that the building standalone apps, I think, gets a better user experience, you know, like at building native apps or, or not even necessarily native, but at least building a standalone app that isn't required you that doesn't require you to be in a browser. Yeah. Um, is there, there's a lot of benefits to that. And I mean, a lot of benefits on the back end because I think you get a lot more. I feel like you probably get more insight, you know, into, and, and I just feel like you have more, you almost build like a better user base in some cases. Like there's more commitment in some ways, you know, to like downloading an app and keeping it on your phone somewhere. Yeah, I, I agree. That's, it's actually for me, uh, when I think about it, well, there's two reasons. One, that is the ecosystem, right? Yeah. If you're going to touch the average user, you're going to touch them. Like that just sounds weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Reach out and touch someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, most people are going to have a mobile device on them, like myself included. Uh, but I am not the typical mobile. I don't have games on my phone. Um, and when I do that, it's like for a month or two, then I'm like, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah. Uh, That's about I do... the longest I can really play most games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mobile games. Yeah, that's why I have an Xbox. Like I, the, the experience is not the same for me. Yeah. Um, but I think the devices I bought, I mean, when you think about it, under 200 bucks for pretty decent hardware that gives the functionality. And I, of course, I have monitors and all that other stuff anyway. I can end of life something in my house and just rotate it out. Um, and But that's where I'm at with technology. I also uh, upgraded my, uh, I have a video camera doorbell through my security system, which Mm -hmm. is kind of fun. I love it. (laughs) It's, uh, uh, we, we got a ring doorbell, um, a while ago for Christmas and yeah, it's, it's nice. I mean, it's very convenient, you know, like to be able both when you're, even when you're home and you're just in a different part of the house when you get the notification that a package is getting dropped off, you know, yeah. uh, since most of the time they don't even ring the doorbell anymore. And I don't know if that's just because of the, like the ring doorbells where they're just like, well, you know, I mean, you, I see, really, you see me. I, I literally was okay. So I was on my way home and I get a notification. Somebody's at my front door and lo and behold, it's UPS. Yeah. And I'm like watching this guy knock on the door. I'm like, ring the doorbell. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 not going ring the doorbell. Knock, 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 knock. I'm like, ring the doorbell, dude. Like there's a green light that's telling you ring yeah. me. And you're just literally not going to do it. So no. maybe you're right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's their new thing. They're just not going to ring the doorbell. Uh, and maybe part of it is that they're not. Because I mean, I do sometimes some Amazon delivery drivers will ring the bell and some won't, you know, like um, the the post office, the uh, my UPS guy, if he drop or USPS guy, if he drops anything off, he usually rings the doorbell um, just to let me know that there's something there. And I mean, either way, I don't really care. So I'm just usually going to stand there and wait until they're walking away, and then open the door and say thanks, you know, just to make sure to maintain six feet and all that. But yeah, I I think that can like a, I think we're pro, both probably like pro technology. I I do think that there's added convenience and, and security of being able to, you know, you ever watch a movie and somebody looks at the peephole and they get shot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, 21 bridges, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, don't look at the people. No, like, that always no seems reason. like a really bad idea. 
Something yeah, bad so, always happens when somebody looks through a peephole in a movie. Yeah, it's, it's never good. It's never um, a good ending. You know, speaking of looking through peepholes, well, I don't know. We were talking on technology. We can stay with that for a little bit longer. No, we can go. I mean, like that's. I just wanted to like geek out a little bit. Um, well, so I did want to get your take. I don't know if you've read up on any. Uh, so, you know, we talked a little bit, I think, in the past about uh, Apple, right? And their yeah. ARM processor plan going forward. I was so I saw a headline. I did not get a chance to read the article, but I thought maybe you had looked into it more on the was it the Pixelbook, the Google Pixelbook, yeah. and they're saying that that could be like a huge kind of challenger to like what has been the MacBook MacBook Pro community uh, in the past. So Google has actually they started uh, I want to say in 2019 uh, with more focus on having Android apps and then they moved to Linux containers. So you can actually, you know, use Linux apps on uh, the pixel or the Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. And I, I would never buy a Chromebook because I can't write code on it. So for me as a developer, you know, like I'm going to have to, I'm going to end of life. One of my laptops uh, probably uh, this year or next year. Probably summer of next year, and I'll probably upgrade it. But it's all dependent on how much I travel between now and next summer, yeah. right? So depending on how, how much I travel between now and next summer is will kind of, you know, dictate if I buy or upgrade a laptop. Yeah. But it's – I think that Apple is pretty uh, – they're becoming self-contained with the ARM chip. So – that's a good play. I don't really think Google does hardware very well, like self-contained. They always contract it out to somebody. Yeah. So well, and they just discontinued with the Pixel 4a phone. Or the 4. Or yeah. the 4, yeah. No, no, actually they they end of life the two the two series. So the two and the two XL. But I think the four went too, didn't it? No, because they still have to do software updates. So the, the promise when you buy a Pixel is you get the, the Pixel is like last year's phone. So they can't end of life it until they're going to do the 4A and then they'll have the 5 come out. Okay. So it's kind of like uh, whatever grouping of series. So it's just kind of like I see what they're doing there. I do think that um, like average end users are probably going to flock to those devices. I think Apple's playing a, they're playing a really risky game because their hardware is starting to, I kind of feel like they're pricing themselves out of the market. Well, yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's, you know, Apple has always seen itself as a very premium product, you know, both, and they are, and they are. Um, but I'm with you in that. I think in some aspects, their hardware is, I don't even know if I want to say that their hardware is necessarily suffering, but I think the users, like I'm kind of getting tired of some of my iPhone stuff, you know, like some yeah. of the same things that I've been putting up with for a very long time, like chargers that break every five minutes, regardless of what brand I buy, regardless, it's like, it's all designed so that the sh falls apart. Like that's, they <laughs> want you to buy a new one every two years, if not every year. And I'm sorry, I'm not dropping eight hundred dollars on a brand new phone every year. Yeah, you know my company's not buying my phone. Like that's not so. <laughs> and I try to take good care of my stuff. I don't. 
I don't try to I, trash it where I need a new phone every 10 minutes. Yeah, but Yeah, like I've been rocking with my LG G6 for, I want to say, maybe three years, maybe three or four years, give or take. Yeah. Um, maybe three. I don't I don't remember. I know I got it when we were at uh, E-Area. Um, but it's a good phone. It still works. It still holds a charge. It's like, and I've, I've like fallen out of love with Apple devices like many times over now. They're yeah. just not that impressive. They don't make me say, ooh, I've got to have that. Um, and I don't know what they can do to to kind of, and, and I think partially it's me because I spend so much time in code editors. <laughs> like it's, it's super not like, it's like I'm going to get in a car and drive the car. It doesn't really matter what the car looks like, but it does it drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, like, you don't care as much about exterior appeal as you do. Like, is it going to function and do the things I want it to do well? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, system 76, which is a, a Linux computer maker out of Colorado. Like I've, I'm so sold on what they do with hardware. Um, and the fact that they tie and they, they, you know, they've rebuilt or they've added on to Ubuntu and it's super solid. That's what, you know, that's what I have on my, my, uh, my office computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. It's just super solid. Uh, every now and then, then there's a glitch, but like, I don't know if we talked about, it, I had to reinstall my operating system because I did something. It wasn't like, <laughs> their fault. <laughs> like it was, it was totally me. Um, but you know, the, the good thing about that is the way I use computers, everything is back. Like all of my documents are backed up in a cloud, my personal cloud or a Google cloud. Uh, so I always have access to them. Uh, I can, I know which programs I'm going to install all the time. I sync the settings of those programs to whatever, you know, whether it's Jira I'm sorry, JetBrains or whoever it may be. So I always have my settings backed up. Um, all of my projects are in GitHub and a couple in Bitbucket. So for me, like to reinstall an operating system, it's now granted it's it takes about an hour. Yeah. Right. But but you're not spending get, all of that. You're not spending six hours then reinstalling and reconfiguring and back, you know, like re-downloading files and stuff like that because right. you already have all of that basically packaged up and ready to go. Yeah, I'm not worried about where are my programs at. I, you know, I, I basically you know ran uh, a command to say, hey, on a base installation, these are the programs that have to be installed, and then I'm done. It's like I'm all right. That's that was easy. So for me, it's like. And whatever, but I do think system 76, like, and I, well, I start with, they've got this great laptop I want to buy. It's, it's a little bit over a thousand, but Lenovo just came out with one too, because now they're putting Fedora and other Linux distros on their computers. But when I looked at them side by side, the system 76 and the Lenovo, the system 76 computer was still better. Yeah, I was like, okay. So I, I feel good about, you know, I'm not going to, just randomly buy it but when i do i know i feel good about the the next computer i buy um see and this is why i came to you before i bought the chromebook because i was yeah. sitting there going like this dude knows <laughs> just because this is like this and i mean like you know i'm i'm tech literate uh i am not the down in the weeds programmer coder that you are <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I, I had, I understand computers and, yeah. and, and that stuff, but yeah, like I, 
I had my own initial kind of thoughts about the Chromebook and obviously was kind of leaning that direction, at least just based on what I had heard in the first bits of research I'd done. But I was like, no, I mean, I'm not going to jump over this fucking shark unless <laughs> I, I know that Andre says I can stick the landing on the other side. And you're like, no, I've, I was thinking about getting some Chromebooks. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, then I know I'm I yet. should be good here. <laughs> so it's all on I, you, by the way. <laughs> I think I think they're great devices. And I think if people I mean, unless you have a, a specific program that needs one, like an, a, a mainstream operating system, there's no reason to buy a mainstream operating computer. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, no, you're probably using Google Docs. So move on. You know, no, you're probably using uh, Microsoft Word. Move on. Um, yeah, and, so see, those, that's, and from a storage perspective too, you know, like you yeah. were talking about having everything backed up. That's where I've gotten to with like Google Drive. I've got, <laughs> I've got so many damn Google accounts. I can just have like a different one synced to back up each computer that I have. <laughs> so it's like, and then you know, like because I also have Google Photos on my phone, so automatically it's downloading and backing those up, and then right. saving room on my phone, which is also hilarious because that was like 90% of the reason I kept buying the older versions with larger storage was because I right. got so tired of having to go through and delete pictures and videos and stuff like that, that I didn't really want to delete, but I had run out of room and it was either that or not take pictures or videos of the new thing that was happening. <laughs> so. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, and I don't, I don't fault the hardware makers. Like, here's why with the camera thing. Like, I'm not a big photo guy. Yeah. But the camera phones are so, I mean, the, the cameras and the phones are so good. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's impressive. So if I really was into photography, it'd be like, yeah, the device I have needs to be able to take pictures. And it's, and I, I think that smartphones are definitely, definitely becoming like a new version of a, a Swiss Army knife, yeah. you know? It's so I, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. But I also uh, wonder because there's, I, I saw something the other day where it was um, an article talking about people like some millennials, I'm sure. And other generations, kids are kind of like, or young adults going back and getting like retro iPods and getting them with like two terabyte storage drives, you know, custom retrofitted and stuff like that. Um, and so I like, I, you know, I, I know some of it is just like an appreciation for the nostalgia, but I think to some degree there, you know, like there was that element of being able to disconnect when we didn't have the world in our pocket all the time. And now I think there's like that kind of, there's that expectation, you know, that like I should be able to get in touch with everybody anytime. And so if I send you a message, like if you haven't gotten back to me in four hours, then you read it and have chosen not to respond, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. But I, I always, you know, I, I make myself like unplug. You know, I really yeah. do. Like, and I, I'm not addicted to my technology. And I no, I but think... I, I guess what I wonder is because you you made the comment about uh, smartphones being Swiss Army knives. Like, are we going to get to the point where we put too much? in that one i mean because it for a lot of people like that's their life you know like you lose your phone what do you do because I, they have I, so many things in there and so I, I don't know i just wonder like are we gonna 
I know we're already very dependent on that technology, but are we going to somehow like, is this going to start feeding us and like controlling our blood pressure? I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that, um, if you, I mean, I look at a few divergences of, of like where the hardware is going for end users and I'm like, okay, so that's safe. Like smartwatches, you know, I think they're great for exercise. I think, you know, when I go to the gym, I like to have a smartwatch because I can record stuff as opposed to taking a notebook yeah. because I want it. If I record the reps and I have to do the math, I don't want to, I don't technically want to do the math. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I kind of think that people are, the tech has got to be useful. If the tech isn't useful, it's going to fall by the wayside, you know? Yeah. Um, and you, you look at, again, smart doorbells with cameras in them. Well, that tech is useful. Well, what about a perimeter sensor in your house? That's probably not very useful because you're still going to cut your grass. You're still going to, you know, people are still going to walk through your grass, whatever. So that's so funny that you mentioned that because one of my, one of our complaints about like the ring doorbell system is that, it doesn't recognize me or, you know, anybody else that has the app or, you know, like, and, and that's the sort of thing where it's like, okay, well, there should be some, you know, proximity sensor or some way for it to, you know, ultimately identify like, okay, yeah, this is the person who lives here. I don't need to alert them that they're standing at their own front door, you know? So, I'll <laughs> I'll tell you what, the reason why I went with a camera that's connected to my security system yeah. is so that way I can actually have an exception for that. Got it. Okay. So, so you do have a way of kind of. Yeah. So if one of our devices is in the geofence, it's not going to be like, oh. You so know. But it, does the geofence include within the house? Yeah. So See, but I guess like that's where if somebody's at the front door and you guys are home, like if you were upstairs or downstairs and couldn't see the front door, then does it not go off? It, But you can actually have different triggers. Okay. Right? Got it. Yeah. So it just takes the doing the extra legwork with that. See, but, and I think that's the other thing is because Christy got the ring. It's her ring. And so she set it up. And that's my other one real complaint about ring in particular is that whoever sets up the device has – you know, admin controls, you cannot right. add another admin. And it's like, yeah, because we live in a world where there's only one person in the house who needs to have like access to these sorts, like the Google home stuff, I think does a much better job of that, of essentially right. allowing like, you know, shared control over those things. Um, right. But I don't know if I mentioned, I got my Nest thermostat recently. Oh, yes. Sweet. How you like? Oh, I love it. Like it's, it's yeah. the first two weeks I had it do the thing where it basically tracked when I was home so that it could set up right. a schedule. I still adjust it occasionally, but I find that in general, I leave the temperature higher than I was previously. So I don't know exactly what that means, but I take that as a good sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll also say that the installation was, I mean, it took me less than 20 minutes, I think, 
Me, yeah, me too. I didn't die. No, I mean, it was super, like, I love, they must have reminded me like a million times to not only turn off, but to make sure that I had turned off. Like, I went and got my little voltmeter and was like touching all the wires and like, okay, nothing's going off. So I think I'm pretty good. Like, I know I killed the thing to the AC, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the app made it super easy. I love the fact, you know, I mean, like you have to download the Nest app, but then it integrates back into the Google Home so you can control the basic thermostat stuff there. Um, anybody that's in the family then can get control of it as well. So yeah, I mean, overall, like I've been really enjoying it. Um, it was great when we went out of town a couple of weeks ago, right after I had set it up, we got in the car, we backed out of the driveway and I went, I forgot to put it in eco mode. And I like, do like all dramatically like open it up and ha 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 eco mode. We're out of here. And Christy was just like, Oh my God, you were so <laughs> Or, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's great, great tech, man. It's great tech. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that you know, there's there are good places for technology in, in our society. We just have to figure out, um, do they make sense, you know, yeah. and then let the things that don't work out just die. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, there's no need to keep them around. None, none of the techs right now are too big to fail by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. It's time for politics. I guess on a related note, uh, and this is kind of the thing I was saying I would monologue about later, but I do. I it's not so. I had a like a weird moment the other day. I was reading an article, and I meant to send it to you. I think I mentioned that I had been. So a couple of things. One, actually. This is tech related. So before we jump to that, I'm going to, I'm going to go back real quick. I, I had messaged you the other day about this app, Ground News. Yeah. How do you like it? I have been enjoying it. It's a little odd, if only because I was so accustomed to the Google News interface. So it took me a little while to get used to it. But, you know, in general, what it essentially does is marks each article from each source as being primarily left-leaning, center-leaning, or right-leaning. Right. It gives you a top stories, like overall, and then a feed. The kind of cool thing that I like is it has this feature called blind spot. And just to clarify, we're not getting paid at all for this. I've had this <laughs> app for like less than a week, uh, but I just thought this was kind of cool. Ground News, basically their whole thing is they're trying to make sure that you don't miss news stories that are occurring outside of your existing bubble, right? And we've talked about that a bunch on social media and whatnot, that selecting your own news sources and everything can really kind of filter the news that you receive. So this blind spot thing is kind of cool because what it essentially does is it has an all where it's showing like these are blind spots to 17% of the left, you know, isn't seeing this article, uh, or 83% of the right, you know, doesn't see this. And so then you can also go and say, well, I want to see w what are the articles that the right, you know, right-leaning people typically aren't seeing. And then you can go and say, well, what is it that I'm, you know, if I'm left-leaning, well, what is it that I'm usually not seeing? And I find it interesting in that, you know, you and I have talked about, like, you kind of have to hear people out. It doesn't mean that you have to accept or justify what it is that they do, but right. you kind of have to like go there and see it and be like, okay, well, let me, 
let me take myself out of this for a minute and put myself in somebody else's shoes and read this article from their perspective, right? And how am I going to react to that based on the news that's, that I'm kind of consuming? And I think so it's like, somebody literally took my idea of listening to NPR because I never listened to it and <laughs> yes. turned into a nap. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that's it. It's, it is literally saying, but I think, you know, because ultimately there aren't, that many of us that are like you, right? That are going to naturally and kind of like manually seek out that external source, you know, right. like this is, I think, designed for people that, that understand that those blind spots exist and they want to be more informed about what is going on. And instead of, I mean, cause for me, right? Like I know that I have a tendency to, look at left-leaning sources. So CNN and NPR and those sorts of things are the places I typically will find my news stories that I'm reading, even through my Google feed. I try very hard not to read Fox News, right? But even in here, there are moments where I may not be looking at a Fox News article, but I can see what the Fox News headline is. You know, like I can get an idea of how things are being portrayed. And even then, like I might dive into a Fox News article for a moment to say, let me see how this is being represented. Let me see right. what what is the argument from the other side. Right. And does it hold water? Well, unfortunately, with with Fox News, they've gone so far right. Yeah. That the only saving grace they have are the few journalists they have between uh, three and five and Chris Wallace. <laughs> well, and like, even, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, like, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yes, there are, there are a few people left there that I think are, that, that and it's almost, <laughs> you always wonder, like, yeah, but do they, are they the ones that are giving it like a shred of credibility? <laughs> like, is that <laughs> <laughs> it was like, is that are they the token black friend? Is that what yeah, this <laughs> I mean, like I, you know, I uh I found myself the other day and like I'm my conservative shows every now and then, you know. Um yeah. there's some things where it's like, yeah, I don't really agree with that. Um I mean, crap, while we're here. <laughs> Like I, I was thinking, and this is something I've been, that's why I kind of wanted to soften the edges a little bit, because if I, if I'm being honest, I think there is a danger. Maybe we've talked about this before of the protests turning into a crap storm. Yes. I think we're, you know, we're, we're playing this, um, this, this game of roulette on, we're missing the issue. And I almost want to say, let's stop calling out the organizations and let's talk about the mission. And the mission is equal opportunity and equal rights. Right. Let's stop talking about the subgroup so much because. Stop talking about the politics and talk about the policy. Because yeah. that's, I mean, it's, I was sitting here listening to uh, uh, like an episode, I think it was episode 10 or 11 or something like that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and. It's just funny because we were saying the same thing back then where it's like, yeah. you know, like it, you can't fall victim to those traps of playing politics, you know? And I, and I think what you're, what you're touching on is absolutely true that there is a danger that the protests 
the violence goes and continues to the point where the message is completely lost, where the moral high ground has been abandoned, where we've said they will go low, we go lower. And, you know, I've had, I, I had this moment of, I guess it was kind of, it was almost fear recently, you know, like this kind of realization of that fact, you know, with the, the shooting in Kenosha with the violence in Portland that, that people don't understand that you can't, you can't stoop to violence, that violence can't be the answer right now because that's the weapon of, of the people that don't want what we're all fighting for. I I think that it's, um, and maybe, maybe I misconstrued where you were going with that, but no, that's... you're, you're, you're exactly, I mean, that's, that's part of what I believe. I think that what, why, why I believe there's violence is peaking its ugly head is because, um, it's just a matter of like, everybody's missing the point. I, I think that it's like, look, okay, we can talk about when you hear people on the right say, well, you know, this guy was, you know, he had warrants. That's not the point. Nope. The point is like, why did he get shot for that? Yeah. Like, let's just like step away from the, yeah, he's, the guy's not a saint. Nobody's saying it that. It doesn't matter. But did he get, need to get shot? And then you have this, this kid who feels like, yeah, I've got to take an AR-15 and go trancing down the street like I'm Billy Badass. Right. And he's, he's gambling with his life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, so that's another, like, that's one where I, because of ground news, you know, and like, I started seeing articles from the way, way, way far right that were talking about justifying this kid, you know? And not that I... You know, I'm not sitting here passing judgment because I wasn't there and I, you know, like, but there's, I think we talked about this before where it's almost like you can't, like, you can't give them an excuse. You can't. But but both sides, Chris, are acting off of fear. But you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, fear is what's driving all of this. Yeah, the fear. Yeah, I I just think that, uh, you know. When you when you have to, I've heard actually somebody told me today that uh, and it's actually true a police officer is probably going to act out of some level of fear when they interact with a person right yep. and if you let that emotion like grapple you like that and you can't move and you start making dumb decisions because you're afraid you can't take them back you know like this whole Second Amendment thing so for, if you're pro Second Amendment have at it right i just think it's a stupid argument like we don't live in the wild west we don't live in the 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 days of colonies we don't live in the in the days where there's going to be some empirical uh, oppressor that's going to come in and like move into our houses there aren't roving gangs of you know (laughs) people like roaming the how the the uh countryside yeah the highway right yeah this isn't freaking mad max like yeah it's like i don't know what you're trying like your right to bear arms like what are you gonna what are you gonna do with that like you're to defend yourself in la la land come on man what what's what is your purpose you know um but if you take the second amendment thing and like this kid feels compelled to quote unquote protect something 
It's not even his place, yo. Nope. One thing that keep blows keeps blowing my mind when you talk about when destruction happens during these protests. I don't want to call them riots because like, nobody's proven to me that there haven't been, you know, agitators or people that just want to see a little bit of chaos. Yep. But these businesses have insurance. <laughs> that crap's going to get rebuilt. I was driving through downtown Raleigh today and I saw a lot of boarded up uh, businesses. And I'm like, I mean, worst case scenario, they have insurance. Yeah. But you I mean, you get business owners that are, you know, basically out here portraying that that that's not the case you know that this is their livelihood that people are coming in and smashing up and that it's gonna it's gonna cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to rebuild they have insurance i I mean yeah (laughs) i i know but you like i mean that's just again that's where the argument ends up you know is it's like not sorry that's not worthy but that's like that's the the pushback on that and i think you know, it comes back to this, Again, I, this lack of it. no, I know, but it's this lack of integrity, right? It's this this lack of honesty amongst ourselves. But I, and- I, I think the root cause is fear. It has nothing to do with nothing. It's like, yo, like I hear you, bro. It's like you're afraid that this could happen to you. I get that. You're afraid that somebody's gonna come to your town and you know ravish your women and and, and rape your goats. Totally get that, but let's let's stop with the i don't i don't think either side's got a good argument i just think that what i'm what i'm afraid of is like the message of equal rights equal opportunity for everybody is going to get missed if we keep testing the waters we keep testing and it's like you know people are mad at the, you know the nba is becoming too you know uh p- political that's a stupid argument man yeah. life I loved, I think it was on the uh, Bomani Jones podcast. I don't remember. I think maybe it was Dominique Foxworth that asked, but it was like, how many people, how would you feel if every day when you went to work, before you started work, you had, you to, had to stand up <laughs> and hold your hand over your heart while they played the national anthem every single I, day? Would you want to do that? Right? I wouldn't do it. No. Like I, fuck, there'd be days where I'd be like, it's not even about the national anthem. It's not about the flag. I'm in a meeting, you know, like I, (laughs) I showed up early. My ass is already working. Like, what are you guys doing? Fuck it. This is five minutes. I'm not getting back. Francis Scott Key should have written a lot shorter song. (laughs) Less high notes, right? Yeah. Give me a TikTok video. I'll stand up for that. I mean, and I think that, you know, for me, I think the national anthem, I, it's, it, it suits a place in international events. Sure. But domestic events? Why? I, I don't What's really care. What's the point? You're, you're delaying the game, you know? Um, I mean, that's, a, you know, like a college football game, play the fight song and then yeah. get the damn game on. Like, come yeah. on. It's, it's, uh, I read that article you sent me about, you know, from Bamani about uh, the whole power struggle. Yeah. And I, I, I think there's a lot of things where if we don't, if the argument is that everything's okay because we had a black president, <laughs> then you're missing the point, yo. Like you're, you're just like, you deliberately missed the point because you chose to. Yeah. And I, I don't have an answer. I do. 
actually, let me take that back. I don't think people are willing to do the work to fix the real issues. I agree. We keep talking about the wrong things. Crime. Black, what about black on black crime? Yo, why did you like scavenge that neighborhood? Right. Where what, are the tell, opportunities? Yeah. Where? Why like, do people I, turn to crime? Right. I, I read a great, very, I won't even call it great, a very interesting article. I think it was on Medium. It was written by either a current or former California police officer. And it was basically just talking about people are right. Like kind of cops are bastards, I think was literally the name of the article. And he just went through his personal experience and the, what he saw and what he did. And in so many ways, it were it was things that I already knew, you know, that went on and that happened, but to hear it be acknowledged from somebody makes so much of a difference. But I'm with you in that. I don't think there's anywhere near enough people that are willing to do the hard work, right? Because it's not just about work outside of your home or outside of your business or outside of your state. It's work inside of you. Like yeah. each and every one of us like has work to do in order to fix what's going on right now. And chances are like, and not even chances, it's not getting fixed in our generation. Oh, by, by no means. I, I dude, I, I keep saying to you and I've said, so, I've said this a lot of, you know, white people that I, that are my family. I I have to remember that all white people aren't bad. Like this is starting to take a emotional mental toll on me where I really don't feel comfortable around white people. And it's not like I'm afraid of them. It's just like, I don't know what to say. Right. There's just a certain level of discomfort. Like we're literally going to have this conversation and pretend like things aren't happening in the world. Yeah. Like that's where, and I don't want, I'm not saying that white people owe me an apology. I don't want an apology. I just like. No, but like acknowledge what's happening, you know, (laughs) like, because I think you're absolutely right. Like that's, that's so much of the problem is that we pretend like nothing's wrong. You know, we pretend like, hey, if I'm cool with Andre, then racism doesn't exist. Or, even better, it does, but it's not my problem, because I'm not racist. Guess what? It's still your fucking problem. And not your problem, it's still my problem. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm not racist, but that doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist. That doesn't mean that I can't do stuff to help fix what's going on right now. Like, it's as much still a problem as it was before I came along, you know, like I don't, me myself doesn't make an impact on my, whether or not I'm racist really. Like I'm trying to fix more than that. I I read an article, but there's a a Canes player. He and his wife adopted a little black girl and, you know, just for him to kind of address the fact that his, his worldview has to change for his daughter. I read the article like maybe twice because I was, I again, this is not me, proje- this is just how I feel as a black man. Like, I feel uncomfortable, you know, listening to Hori say, like, and a lot of people say, like, we love this country, but it doesn't love us back. It's a real thing. And you can, you can ignore it if you want, but it's, that's how I feel. 
Um, but listening to this guy, obviously white, his wife is white also, really actually it's in their house. They they're doing life and they're gonna experience things and have to shield their daughter and have they're gonna have to have the same conversations I have with my kids. And I'm like, yo, hats off to you. And guess what I have to remember? All white people aren't bad. And I'm not saying every but right. it's starting to become like the the default reaction. And I have white people in my life that I that I love and treat like family. But I have to see them and be like, okay, they're good. You know, yeah. that's becoming more and more the norm. Um I, I mean it's Yeah, dude, it's <laughs> I, I, I live a middle class life and I still get worried about the police, you know, around me. Well, I mean, like I get, I, and I told you, I get into a car accident and I'm worried about like protecting my wife and daughter. Yeah, like that shouldn't, and it wasn't even my fault, but I, but that's what I have to live through. Yep. I mean, I had a um, friend of mine from high school that shared, you know, a video on Facebook the other day and it was High Point Police pulled over a black guy in a 2020 Dodge Charger uh, in a what is known as a high drug area, you know, <clears throat> because he had a license plate frame. Wow. And the officer was very polite, you know, and walked up and was like asking him, you know, so where are you headed today? You know, one, of, one of his first questions was, so... Is this your vehicle? Wow. Do you know in all the times I've been stopped or talked to police officers, I have never once had them ask if it was my vehicle, whether or not it was my vehicle or not. Wow. Then did they basically detain him long enough that they come back over. He's like, I'm only going to give you a warning for this, but I want you to step out of the vehicle so I can explain it to you. First That's red sign. Them. So the guy gets out, walks him around to the back, just showing him the thing. So this is what we're talking about. It's not really a big deal, but I pulled you over for it. I've wasted 20 minutes of my time and your time for not a big deal. By the is way. It, is it a dealer frame? Um, I don't even remember. But I think he, the, I mean, the guy said, I've been driving it around here for months and I haven't gotten pulled over for it. Like, this is how I got it. I think he said I get this is how I got it from the dealer, if I'm not mistaken. And the guy, the cop even said most people buy plate them from the dealership don't and don't realize that it's illegal because it's obscuring the the registration information and no, the and the letters of in North Carolina. <laughs> it was his argument. So best part, not even best, worst part. So after he explains the ticket to him, he asks him, by the way. Do you have anything illegal in your vehicle? And the guy's like, no. And he says, do you have any weapons in the vehicle? And he goes, no. Do you consent to a search of your vehicle? And he's like, you know. And he's like, well, because you've been acting very nervous ever since I pulled you over. And this is a high drug area. And so, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that everything is on the up and up. They brought a drug dog in and walked the drug dog around the car before they let him go. <laughs> I mean, and this is the fucking world that we live in where these guys use bullshit, ticky tacky, you know, 
laws like that to harass black citizens. I don't I don't know what to say to that. I but I will tell you this though, and and I've said this before. My mom's an ex cop, and I was driving through uh, Garner today, and I I saw something that just kind of made me go, "Wow, we have to be very careful." So a, a white officer sitting down on the street with a homeless guy, black older black homeless guy, just talking to him, and I don't know what the conversation was about, but from what you're saying in that video, which disgusts me and aggravates me and on the other end of the spectrum, where there are people out there that are probably doing a good job. They're probably trying to do the right thing. They're probably, you know, honorable people. It's, I hate to say it. Like, you know, you talk about an echo chamber where we talk about how like the, the most annoying minority and the loud part of that group gets the most press well, that's what we got, man. Like, it's like, yo, it's, I don't want to say every cop is bad, but. No, I know for a fact that every cop isn't bad. You know, like I know, and I know what you're saying. There are cops out there who spend as much, if not more time, right. Dedicated to helping people and, you know, connecting. Cause one of the things that the, that medium article written by the cop talked about, and I thought, you know, because we've talked a little bit about defunding the police and what that really means and the messaging behind Black Lives Matter and some of that stuff. And I thought he had some really interesting points about what I do is not crime prevention, ultimately. When I am show up, best case scenario, I see the guy running down the street. You know, like... I'm not there in the middle of a standoff. I'm not there before the guy hits his wife, you know, like I'm not there until somebody calls me to show up. Right. And nine times out of 10, in fact, 99 times out of a hundred, I can do my job without a gun, without a license to kill people indiscriminately. That, that, we don't need to have, and, and I think this comes back to something you talked about earlier. Well, it kind of doubles back on the technology conversation about Swiss Army knives and our phones. And I think that's kind of where the police have also ended up. We've put so much on them that now we send them, we send somebody with a gun and a badge to respond to so many things that don't require a gun or a badge, right. ultimately. And... You know, he talked about the training that police officers go through, that they're essentially told every situation you walked in, walk into could potentially be your last, that every person that you interact with has the potential to take your life from you, you know, that they are shown hours and hours of dash cam footage of cops being killed, and that that's essentially what they're told to expect. It's not to expect the harmless encounter with, a, with an innocent civilian, you know, who needs help. You know, that it's, <laughs> he told a, a story about there was his captain basically said, we have a new directive that we are to arrest anybody caught stealing aluminum cans from trash bins in the city because the city has a deal with the waste management company based on the expected amount of recyclable material. So anybody that's stealing is essentially stealing from the city 
and it jeopardizing their deal with this company. So his captain calls him to help arrest a 70-year-old woman <laughs> that he found taking one can out of a thing. She didn't speak English, only spoke Spanish, and the guy had to take her down to the office and book her. For an aluminum can out of a public trash can. So I'll tell you what, man. Uh, like, and I don't know the context of what I of how I want to say this, but this is from my heart. I think the organization Black Lives Matter probably could change their name because, you know, they. And I don't mean this. I mean it because I I think that if you don't like the organization, it makes the movement a target in my opinion. Yeah. But I do believe that black lives matter because my life matters. And that's what I'm, that's why I think that we've got it, you know, remember the mission, you know, um, the civil rights movement was a civil rights movement. Uh, all these movements that have moved our country forward. You, yeah, you could say, well, you know, I know that Martin Luther King is one of the most known faces, but, there's Rosa Parks. I mean, there's, you know, John Lewis, there's a lot of people that brought that movement to reality. Um, and I, I think that, you know, just, in, you know, outside, I still feel the pain like my brothers and sisters do. I'm just saying it's a risky gamble. The gamble is like, mm, it's very easy to package that up into something toxic that shuts a lot of people out from listening. And that's what I'm starting to my gut is saying maybe we just like I, I it's too late now that ship's already sailed but like in hindsight probably the wrong name for the organization <laughs> like if i'm being honest a good slogan know. but maybe not the best name um yeah yeah you know and i i think we were talking a little bit earlier about the violence that we've that the country has seen in in portland um and and in Kenosha, but I think even kind of specifically maybe focusing on the stuff in Portland, not even, I take that back. The violence that we've seen across the country recently in the protesting, the rioting that has stemmed out of that sometimes. And I'm with you that I'm not completely convinced that there aren't agitators. I mean, this is not the first time that this has happened. This happened in Nazi Germany or prior right. to Nazi Germany. This was a, like a classic tactic um but i am also kind of like i keep coming back to what you know like we, like martin luther king jr and that like non-violent protest you know and and that kind of that that mentality of always with dignity you know that yeah. like above all else you know we will not stoop to their level they can they can spit on us they you know because ultimately what we're showing is how unreasonable like this all is that we're not asking for anything we're not we're not violent we're not you know attacking and and it's it's so frustrating sometimes because you do like you just want to crack the skulls of people that don't understand or these far you know like extremists that just foment hatred to the point where like you you want to hate them but the moment that we stoop to that level like we lose what makes us better not even better but different you know like like i feel like we start to lose that bit of humanity that we hold on to the more and more that we start to hate that other side so you know it, i i think it all goes back to fear 
And, you know, when there, there was a time in my life, I had to kind of get a, gra- a, a, a strong grip on my emotions because I was not unhinged, but they led a lot of my actions. And one day I was actually, you know, trying to understand why I did some things and fear actually leads to violence. Fear actually leads to misunderstanding. Fear actually leads to building up walls that don't need to be there. Whether it's fear of not being included, fear of, of loss, fear of being misunderstood. And there, I mean, it's, fear leads to jealousy fear leads to envy fear leads to like a lot of things um and i think that we haven't figured out a way and you know because when you say that you know what well actually when somebody could say to me well why isn't it a peaceful movement well unfortunately you got two fearful sides you got one side that's afraid that they're trying to be replaced And they're going to lose something. And you have another one that's afraid of what you're going to do to me when I'm not looking. I mean, when you look at, think about the kid that got shot in Portland, I mean, for Donald to say, you know, well, shooting rubber pellets isn't a weapon. That's, you know, that's not a, yo, my man say what? Yeah. If you propelled anything at me and it hit me, and I don't know what you got next. Then you're asking for a problem. Uh, shooting, you know, spraying people with pepper spray. How can you not say that's not an aggressive tactic? How can you condone that? So, yeah, if there's a problem, it's going to pop off. And that's what happened. So I'm not, I don't advocate violence. I'm a pacifist, but I do believe in self-defense. You're and a pacifist, pe- keyword, fist. Fist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass my fist right across your jaw. <laughs> I don't, I don't have, I mean, I don't believe that, you know, the fact that people are driving around with weapons, they're brandishing weapons. And I, I, this is where you know, this whole stupid, I think the second amendment should be removed from the constitution period. Because I think when you let idiots and I don't have a better way to say this idiots own guns, you get stupid results. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the I always kind of laughed at the old NRA saying, right, guns don't kill people, people kill people. But it's true. Like, guns don't kill people. Stupid fucking people with guns kill people. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, you can be a completely responsible gun owner. I understand yeah. that. And I, I don't have a problem with responsible gun owners. I don't understand the need to, like you said, go armed into a situation where you know that you are going to be instigating anger with the potential for violence. Yeah. You chose to go there. That was not part of the route that was scheduled. There was absolutely no need for that. You could have had your little parade and they could have had their protest, but you decided that you wanted to agitate, that you wanted a confrontation and you went armed. Yo, bring a heater around me and, and like make me feel a little bit unsettled. That's- well, I mean, you want, but this is where I also come back to the like the ridiculousness of this, where it's like, you know, this, they, you know, Donald Trump wants to sit here and say that uh, rubber bullets and those kinds of things aren't weapons, right? But fucking Tamir Rice gets shot for carrying a fucking gun, a BB gun, a, BB gun, a toy gun. 
It's it's. I mean, this is where the whole the whole argument falls apart. You cannot argue for gun rights and not stand up for gun rights. Like you can't do that. Where were the NRA nuts when Tamir Rice got shot? I mean, nobody sat there and said, "What the fuck? That kid should have been able to run around with a fucking you know toy gun, toy gun, a real gun." The fucking NRA should want that kid to have a real gun if he's got a license. And you, you know, got this little kid running around, seventeen years old, with an AR. With an AR, but that's okay. You know, like yeah. it's it's uh it's it's tough, man. I I don't I have a solve. I, I just think people need to do the work, and I I don't want to crap on any of the politicians. And I, I listen to some, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the you know left right argument anymore because I think that unreasonable people are on on both sides yes you know so i think when you have unreasonable people saying that this kid is a hero and you have unreasonable people saying well you know it's expected to happen it's like no 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 no. we are losing focus on the root cause like we got to stop trying to you know make it a partisan issue it's not it's like I mean, couldn't people, we all just agree that it really like it sucks that people died? Like that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like how hard is that for us all to agree to? I mean, and that's where yeah. I think, to some degree, you know, like that's kind of where I feel with like the you know the like Jacob Blake and that where it's like at the very least, can't we acknowledge that nobody needed to die here? Yeah. There was nothing that required death why do arrests continue to turn into murders like or at least or, deaths homicides of some sort like it's like why are you pulling out your gun man like for if you're such a gun nut and you're like you're being a having a badge is a power trip for you think about the old samurais and the old you know indian warriors and vikings they wanted an honorable death like nobody wanted to be killed from the back no like you would see, like if you study like historical battles, the reason why the United States won uh, the you know the revolution was because they they broke the rules because we didn't line up in a straight line wearing bright fucking red while marching through trees. Yeah, I mean, it, they use guerrilla tactics to, to take out their enemy. Why and did we they, get our fucking asses kicked in Vietnam? Because we were too stupid to not break the fucking rules. Yeah, I mean there was. It's like, it's not an honorable, I mean, if you're going to be a, if you want to be a quote unquote warrior, be a warrior and understand what honor is. Understand that if you're going to face your opponent, you face him face to face. You don't shoot him in the back. And I, and I don't, I, you know, I, there's a trope that all police officers used to get picked on in high school. I still kind of believe it. I know. I mean, I've seen a couple, even in Cary where I knew like these kids got picked on in, in high school and it's like, all right, you know, uh, you see a bunch of, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to crap on all police officers. No, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I know that there are people who, who become police officers because they want to help people because they yeah. see that as an honorable profession, as someone, something, you know, whether it's because their family did it or just because that was what they, they looked at and they said that those, you know, it could be that they had an experience when they were a kid where an officer helped them. Yeah. You know, and they looked at that and said, man, that's what I want to do when I grow up. You know, I want to help people. 
And that's that was my experience. So I, that's the profession I'm going to go into. And you know what most of those people find out? What a fucking shit show that yeah. profession is when they get in there. How incredibly dissimilar it is to how they expected it to be, right? What their expectations were. And yeah, the shoe's starting to fit that police officers are, they're not noble people and they're not honorable. And I, and I, and again, like I rarely, you know, paint broad strokes. That's my brother, Chris here, but I mean, the shoe is starting to fit, yo. Um, the yeah. fact that the fact that we want to pretend like it's not a reality of racism in this country. I mean, so where's the miscommunication? So for all the people saying there's no racism, the United States is not racist. What's your proof? Because here I am, a black guy in the burbs. I can tell you this country is racist AF. I mean, like, you can't tell me different. Did um, did you happen to see the rebuttal to LeBron James from some black father? No. No. So you know, LeBron came out after the Jacob Blake shooting and was basically saying, like, as a black man, as you know, like as basically as black Americans, like we're terrified. Like this is, you know, and this guy basically said, you don't speak for me. Um, you know, and I, I have sons and the difference is, is that because I, because my kids basically have a dad that they will understand how to comply and how to obey and what it means to respect a police officer. Whoa, my dude. Yeah. (laughs) And that if LeBron wanted to do something to fix it, that he should work on basically that he should contribute to this guy's charitable foundation. (laughs) (laughs) But I just kind of was, you know, like, dude, I, I can understand even saying like, yeah, LeBron may not speak for all black Americans, obviously. Like that is a very diverse group of people. Nobody speaks for all black Americans. I can't decide. Yeah, but you know, like I mean, it, it. That's not to say that you can't generalize. You know that hey, I'm a Black American and I feel fucking terrified. I imagine there's a lot more people like me than there are people who don't feel like I do right now. Yeah, and, and I and I get that, and I I know that uh, people keep it, it's become. Here's what I don't like about politicians right now: the pandering. Like I, I just like yo, like be yourself. You know, don't. Well, it's like corporations too, you know. The oh. we have to put out a, a Black Lives Matter statement on our website. If we don't, then we're in trouble, right? Yeah, but when when the when they come home to roost, man, like uh, McDonald's is in the news again. They're getting <laughs> <laughs> like, like when it comes home to roost, and yo, I apparently mean, the black franchisees were not loving it. It's that's been like well, <laughs> yo. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just saying you'll, you'll, that's not, that's nothing new. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you look at, uh, yeah, I, if we want to fix some things, we have to do some different things. Like we have to stop with this, like, because I put a hashtag or I, I followed a hashtag or commented on a hashtag. That's a solution. No, it's not fool. You know, you guys keep rocking with, uh, Facebook. And you and your boys playing you, like it would be beneficial to have people that have a diverse background to help companies to navigate in real in real life situations. 
Like, do if you I'm know what they up, do when that happens? They go hire a consulting group that has those people. <laughs> or you're like the Washington Redskins and you go find the whitest black dude you can find and put him in charge and say, look what we did. Yep. Here's our chief diversity officer. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Yo, I, I think sports is going to – I think our country is – we're like doing the punk version of 1968. Like we're afraid to actually do the work. We're, we're really afraid because everybody's so comfortable. We're super afraid to actually, and it's not saying riots. It's like, no, let's examine some of these systems and see if they're really what they supposed to be. Well, get off our asses. You know, like I'm with you. Like it's, You know, and I, I want to say that I had previously taken a very strong stance on what I deemed social media warriors, right? Like you just talked about, the people who are, oh, I follow a hashtag or I retweet a hashtag and therefore I am part of the solution and cannot be defined as part of the problem, which is the more important part of that. Right. And I just want to clarify that while I do believe that there is such a thing as social media warriors who exclusively participate on that level, I do think that there is some benefit to engaging people on the platforms where they are. And this was one of the things, this is, this is another piece of what I was wanting to talk about a little bit today is in my in my recent readings and in going through a lot of you know we talk about fear you know and, and my fear that i had been grappling with recently was this i guess this fear that there was no coming back that we had reached kind of a that part of this country i guess had kind of reached like a a plateau a plateau well not even that the plateau but like oh my god the brink like yeah. you guys are teetering on the edge and I don't know that we can allow you to come back <laughs> and be part of this group anymore. And I had to do a lot of, I guess, kind of like, I mean, I've fallen into the same traps where I go on social media and I see a post and I'm immediately like, I see a, a rebuttal and I'm like, fuck that person. You know, like, how could you be so stupid, right? My initial reaction is, like, anger and and wanting to point out their ridiculousness. Not to do what I think you advise, which is to meet a lack of facts with an abundance or just some facts. Right. So, specifically, there was a little kerfuffle i guess you might call it (laughs) for use of a funny word around the cdc and some number updates that they had done regarding some covid related deaths and essentially what the number said was that okay yeah 180,000 some odd people right six percent of that 180,000 died only from covid as the only contributing factor was COVID-19, right? Which, and it's, I will say, I don't even think that's what it said. What it said was that 94% of the COVID deaths 
featured at least one other contributing factor, and on average, 2.6 contributing factors, right? Which led some people, some that may live in a very large, nicely furnished house that is a certain color that someone might describe my skin as, (laughs) (laughs) took to mean... Only 6% of the deaths from COVID are real. The other 94% are made up. Those people died from other things. They might have had COVID, but COVID had absolutely nothing to do with why they died. Never mind the fact that the majority of those contributing factors were things and symptoms that are developed from contracting COVID-19. So, anyways, what I saw over the last... 24 to 36 hours was a flood on my social media feeds of my certain leaning friends posting 6% of COVID deaths are real. Don't you feel stupid now? Who's the sheep, right? All of these types of things. And my initial reaction was, boy, (laughs) you guys are stupid. But I realized that that doesn't accomplish anything. No, it doesn't. Right? I can call people stupid all day long, and what are they going to do? They're going to say, wow, that guy's an asshole. And, and nothing that he says after that bears any you know, meaning to me. And there was, in particular, a thread on a family member's you know, Facebook wall where they had shared an article, and somebody that they knew that I do not know had started a bit of an argument. And... I am normally a person that steps away from that, that that will read that and kind of laugh and think like I am going to jump in and then delete my post and move on (laughs) with my life. And I thought, you know what? Like after doing all of this soul searching kind of and trying to decide like, how can I, I'm going to see if I can actually establish any sort of conversation with this person, not calling them names, not, you know, like making ridiculous outlandish arguments, but saying, Hey, Here's an article that I literally just read. Here's a link to it. And here's an excerpt from it that I've copied that I think makes a really compelling point against what it is that you have said. Right. And the response that I got was, well, I really like President Obama's $8 million home. (laughs) And, you know, I... Again, right? My initial response was, you know, that's cute. Go fuck yourself. Have a nice day. And I thought, again, not going to accomplish what I initially set out to do. And so I said, you know what? I agree that I think politicians are grossly overpaid. And I'd love to find a way that we can fix that. But the conversation that we were having was about the 6% of COVID deaths reported by the CDC. And then brought the conversation back to that. And posted another, you know, just bit, kind of another thing from that same article. And I was like, I just, what do you think? And I never got a response. So, and, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not yeah. even like, you know, I'm not, but what I'm hoping more than anything is that if I can interact with people in some way, shape, or form without being overly aggressive or name calling or divisive, that, you know, maybe I don't change anything but if i don't try something then like i'm just part of the problem yeah you're right and i agree with that so i i encourage you to shut up no it's okay (laughs) that was i mean 
I want to give you some advice. One, that is the right thing to do, right? You can't watch people, you know, you can't watch them drive off the ledge. Yeah. That's you called me out on that recently. And yeah. I, I appreciate you for that because yeah. that, that was a big part of what made me realize, like, you know, even though I don't know this person, like just as a human being, having observed this, I have like some in my mind, I have some level of moral obligation yeah, to should. try and do something right. It's like if you if you see a, a toddler wandering down the street alone, you now are obliged to do something. If you drive by and that toddler gets hit by a car, you're a fucking asshole. Like that's on oh, you, buddy. <laughs> yes, yeah, you can't. You should have like. Sorry, that was a really extreme. <laughs> oh yeah. But that's the right thing to do. You want to make sure. I mean, we we have that response. If you're a good and reasonable person, you can't watch people drive off the ledge. Secondly, accept reality for what it is, right? Yeah. Like there's there's sometimes you're just not going to change the facts. Thirdly, be an example, right? I always say I'm never going to convert anybody, but hopefully people can see one or two things I do and be like, huh, that may help my life to be a little bit better. You're never going to convert it. Like your job is not to convert anybody. Yeah. It's just to be the right person for who your family, your friends, people that you interact with, and hopefully be a good example, not a role model because we're all fallible. It's time for politics. Wait, again? The, the last thing I would say is I really believe after this presidency, you know, whether it's this year or four years from now, there's going to be a third party. I really think that that's where, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I've built some level of anxiety in my head about it. I, I do see a lot of fascist tendencies in Donald Trump. I hope that there is enough, reasonable people in this country to not let that happen. But, you know, as much as he talks about, you know, the socialist takeover, the communist takeover, he's got more of those qualities and traits than anybody that's ever run for president in this country. He exceeds George Wallace. He exceeds Nixon and the tendencies of evil. And I don't say evil just as a word. I'm saying like straight up, uh, Fidel Castro level evil. I mean, I you could even probably go to a biblical definition of evil in certain senses <laughs> in yeah. a number of cases. Like, yeah. And I'm with you that like, you know, I, I am not, I don't say that lightly. I, you know, I don't, uh, I just, I, 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 resign my, I resign myself to accept the fact that unless people are really like, I know it gets thrown around a lot. This is going to be the most important election. And maybe you're right. And maybe there were. There was Kennedy. There was, you know, Lyndon B. Johnson. I mean, I, I can talk about, you know, elections that moved our country forward in the right way. Yeah. Um, there probably been a lot of, you know, fundamentally large elections. Quick side note. Favorite part of my Axios, uh, of the Axios interview was when he asked him if he thought he was better than Lynn or had done more for the black community than Lyndon Baines Johnson. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, Lyndon B. Johnson, who signed the civil rights. Like, it was like, he was like, read my lips. Civil <laughs> rights act. 
And he was that like, was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, what did the Civil Rights Act do? <laughs> if it wasn't already in place, I would have done it by now. <laughs> the, guy, the guy is like, he's all, I mean, it. it's going to take re- people really asking themselves, like, yo, do we want this to stop? And I do think the if he loses this year, there will be a a, a party that's going to be centered around his values yeah. or lack there or the or the principles he believes in. I wouldn't say values. Well, I think you're going to see a very similar break to what we saw with the Tea Party what yeah. 12 years ago, um, yeah. where it's going to be this group that feels that not enough is being done, right? That they have moved too far to the center. And so we need to move on our own. And I think the real fear is that there's more support for that than there is, than there was for say like the tea party. Right. Um, I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a thing. It's going to take probably three or four elections, maybe. Well, I, one of the Trump kids are going to run for office in 2024. So that's, that's on the horizon. If it's not a bar, yeah. So one of those three are going to be on the ballot. And I think it may take two or three elections to get this out of our system. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it, it, it probably does. I think you're absolutely, I mean, <laughs> it'll probably take about that long for the economic recovery of the United States at this point. <laughs> dude, I mean, economists are saying we're looking at three to four years. Easy. easy. Three easy. to four years. Easy. And so, I mean, and that's, I guess, you know, like even if, if Biden wins, he's, pr- I mean, we've already talked about, he's not likely to be another ca- a candidate again, even as an incumbent in 2024. So then does that, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it opens a whole can of worms going forward, but I, I'm, I, I, I think in 2024, if Biden wins, my gut is telling me they're the Democrats are going to let, multiple candidates run as opposed to um, Kamala Harris. Like, I you don't think, think that, that they will by default go with her. I do not. Yeah. I mean, I'd, if it was probably anybody, well, if it was a whiter male version of Kamala Harris, then I'd probably say you're wrong. But <laughs> I, I think the Democrat actually, I mean, and that's like, I think that's even in my head, like a 50, 50 chance, you know, depending on what, if Biden gets the, you know, if he gets the white house yeah. and they can be aggressive and trying to like get things done. And I'm not, I'm not talking that they complete everything, but they actually have things in play. Yeah. They move things along. Yeah. That's the whole uh, point. I mean, it's, it's eight years, right. At best. Yeah. You yep. have eight years. What you're doing is setting the stage for the next eight years. Yeah. So if they can do that and then she'll, I mean, then it goes in her favor. The Dems will feel comfortable with her being on the, you know, the top of the ticket. Yeah. If it's a big flop and the, the overall approval rating for both of them is in the toilet, then they'll pull the plug and they'll let anybody else run. Hell, they'll probably right. ask Bernie to come back. <laughs> I, yeah, I think Bernie's. No, I mean uh, he's done. I don't. I can't yeah. not imagine him coming back and trying to run. And AOC, I don't think she's. She's not there yet. She's she, not ready for that. No. Um, I think that you could probably get a. As much as the Democrats talk about how they they are okay with the progressive movement, I think that both 
parts or, or segment or all the segments of the Democratic Party are always going to be moderate. Like there's just no getting around that because you, you can't exclude the fact that most people are reasonable people or moderate. Well, like, I mean, most people are fiscally conservative. Yeah. At, at least uh, they like they want to be, you know, <laughs> I mean, I personally would love to be more conservative with my finances. I'm not very good at it. But like, I don't want the country, you know, like, I think that's where we were, like, we talked about this before, where it's like, we, nobody wants the country, at least I don't believe that we have a, a, a large swath of this population that wants the country running off the rails financially, you know, right. where it's like, oh, no, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter how much money it costs, just print more money. Like, yeah, no, I get that that's not how it works, right? What we want is, like, we do, we just want, I mean, like, I, we want safety, security freedom to you know be able to live our lives dude that those are here's where like i'm going to challenge you on okay screw the talking points right i watched uh w kamau bell's uh united i've been watching united shades of america really good really good show i don't know if you watched it yet but you should definitely check it out they had an episode that aired this past sunday about uh skid row in los angeles and Here's where I think the hypocrisy across all Americans displays sure. itself. L.A., California, pretty liberal state, you know, give, you know, for the most part. Um, they, yeah, it is. They, it, it, they, is, it is and it isn't. That's the funny yeah. thing about California. But yeah. Depends on where you are in, the, in that state. There are pockets. Um, yeah. <laughs> so California is the uh, fifth richest city in the world. State. Uh, no, world. Wait, you, no. You said California is the fifth richest city. I'm oh, sorry. Oh crap. LA. Crap. Okay. You know, no. you're good. I just I just wanted to make sure. I didn't want to allow one of those verbal typos to make it all the way through without some sort of I'm not trying to correct you in public. I just Okay, that was a verbal typo. I think I just like dropped the keyboard on that one. Um, <laughs> they voted to raise their own taxes to build uh I think ten or twelve thousand uh, residences for the people on Skid Row. So apparently that's like five or 10 city blocks. I don't, I don't remember, but it's a considerable amount of the city. Yeah. And that was 12 years ago and they've done it. They haven't done anything. <laughs> 60,000 people, 60,000 people, 60,000 people live on Skid Row. So the hypocrisy is with all the good intentions, keep your word to the citizens. And that's, and that's both parties. Yeah. Like, and I think that for me, it's like, I don't want to talk about talking points. I don't want to, you know, have whiteboard meetings. You've got to be able to, both parties are at fault of this. Yeah. It's just like, yo, you're not, it's, and here's where it really starts to make my blood boil. People say that politicians have power. I do not believe that. They have a position of authority and a position of access to the laws that we institute where we live. They have no power. They, the only power they have is the one that we give them. Yep. If we allow them to have power, then they have power. 
That's There's, I mean these these assholes work for us. We pay their salary. Now we pay them way too fucking much. That's for damn but, sure. But how but is it possible? That, how, how is it possible that we let them go off the rails so far? I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. I don't get it either. Like I, I, and that's where I think we talked about. At least I've talked about before. I feel like there's been this abdication of responsibility for our own government, for our own country. You know that the people at some point said, "Fuck it." You know, you talk about being comfortable, right? This is yeah. comfort. This is, I mean, if it's not inside my four walls or the eight walls, because the four at my house and the four at my office and one I have to drive to and from, then what do I give a fuck? I mean, I'm not some black guy living in a poor neighborhood that has to worry about getting shot by cops. So why do I care? Right. You know, but like, I'm sorry, if you have a fucking heart, if you're, Again. I mean, you call yourself a Christian, then God damn it, you fucking better care. Like, yeah. There isn't maybe anything you should care more about at this point. And I, I mean, keep saying my beef is only with Christians. I, I'm willing to forgive the I, I will forgive anybody with a partisan viewpoint, except for my friends and family. Like you gotta check that out of the door because it's not factual. Like we don't if you if you think about I mean everybody's got talking points now. No. Like you're not the first person that's thrown talking points at me. No, I don't <laughs> If I'm being honest, it's really starting to piss me off. It's like no, but and I, I mean, what I was, I guess, what I was trying to get at earlier is that the basic human desire is the same across the board, right? Like yeah. none of us are really, none of us set out from the day we're born wanting but brother, to. We're not, we're not working towards them. No, we're not. You're absolutely right. We are not working towards that, but. What I, the point that I was trying to make was simply that we are not so different as as we like as we like to sometimes see each other and as they like to make us see each other. But they, but they are, are the ones that we allow to let a, let them do exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. That's why. Like, which means my it's mind. us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I don't know what like level of, of of superiority we put politicians in. Right. But they're. It's it's why you've seen me do this. I don't care what your title is. Please don't come at me sideways. You've seen me do this. If we're sitting at the same table, I'm sorry. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do here? <laughs> Yo, yeah, right. It's just like we're the like. I don't. I don't feel obligated to you know to subject myself to stupidity. I just don't. I don't care what your title is. I may be your employee, but if you ask me my opinion about what I think about something, I'm not going to give you like a spoonful of sugar. Yeah. I'm going to tell you either, yeah, that's great, or mm, let's not do that. And this is why. You know, and I, I just, I cringe at thinking about the, I don't know what word it is to think about, yo, people are really buying into this BS. It's like the, and, and that's why I'm so beyond the partisan crap. It's like, yeah. look, guys, yeah, you're, we're getting got. Like, if, if we all live in the same block, <laughs> I mean, because that's, I'm with you. Like, I think that's what it really boils down to is at the end of the day, like, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are probably high fiving each other behind the scenes, if nothing else, like metaphorically, right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> these guys are loving this shit because what it isn't doing is putting any of the emphasis on their fucking fuck ups. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, 
Trump's I'll, been a fuck up for the last four years. I'll give, I'll Joe Biden's Biden been this. here for a long time and he's done some good stuff, right? Like, I'll I mean, give, I'm. I'll, I'll give Biden this, though. Dude has a tendency to own his mistakes. He does. I and do. I, haven't, I haven't seen any politician in my lifetime. No. That is manned up, or I'm sorry, I don't want to be sexist, but has been an adult enough to say, I made a mistake. Agreed. And I say that, I say my point, or I say what I said to simply no, you're, you're not emphasize, wrong. right? That like, I'm with you and that this is not a partisan thing. This isn't a, I'm going to side with Democrats. And that's the only reason, like, this is a, I have done a significant evaluation personally. Right. I have taken stock of my life and where I stand and the values that I hold true. And I have found that I cannot in good conscience vote for one of these candidates. That's, that's where I am right now. And I, I, you know, like if you don't feel that way, that's, that's your choice. At the end of the day, I, I would, I'll be honest. I would love to have somebody on that we could talk to who feels that way. I would love nothing more than to have that opportunity to hear somebody out and to have a conversation, not an argument. I don't want this to turn into, you know, <laughs> something ugly, but I want to have an actual conversation that's based that we can agree, right. Is going to be based in, in some level of truth and fact. And if, if you're out there and you're listening and you want to come on, send us a message. You know, the Chris and Andre show at gmail.com hit us up on one of our social media channels, because this is the, like, honestly, it's part of the whole reason I think we do this it is not because we want our voices to be heard exclusively, although it's fun to listen to ourselves. Um, <laughs> but because we're trying to have these conversations because we're trying to facilitate this level of dialogue, you know, whether it's between me and you, or it's between us and my dad, or it's between us and other people that we have in our lives or other guests that we have on. And, mm. you know, fortunately, we're like, we're in a position technology wise now where we should be able to do that much more easily. We're um, <laughs> yeah. So, but seriously, like I'm, I'm struggling sometimes to find a footing in that in that realm. And it would be, I think I, I would really like to understand more from that perspective. Yeah. You know, and, and why people feel the way that they do, you know, cause I know, like, I think we've talked about people vote for what they think is going to ultimately benefit them the most, you know, what, what they think is best for them and their family. And I'd like to hear some, some arguments for that because I'm, I'm not able to objectively look at it and see that benefit for me and my family and other people's families, but maybe I'm missing something. So. And that's, uh, I mean, that's noble. I mean, I remember 2016, I couldn't vote for Hillary or Donald. I just couldn't deal with not just my conscience. I couldn't do it with my hand. I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) So, and yeah, if you want to definitely carve out some time and it's again, we're, we're two honest guys and it's not, a, it's never going to be an argument. It's never, it's not about persuading or dissuading anybody to do anything. It's about the best way to learn is to, to be open to different perspectives. Yep. Um, the best way to change something that could potentially happen in your future, not your near-term future, but your long-term future is the experiences you have, the conversations you have. Uh, it, it, your brain processes that stuff 
all the time. So if you'd love, if you'd like to, you know, have that conversation with, uh, with us, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you know my stance. I'm voting <laughs> against Donald Trump. Like it could be a wet napkin and I have more confidence and the ability of a wet napkin against Donald Trump. And I, I will say this, I, before I was 40, 60 in my belief on Joe Biden and why I, you know, felt comfortable voting for him. I think I'm actually like 53, 47 now. Um, I don't have, yes, it's a anti-Trump vote. I, I give him that. Yeah. Aside from that, I do believe that, I, here's why I believe he'll, he'll surround himself with smart people. And that makes me feel more comfortable. I actually listen and I listened to an interview um, yesterday of a voter in Minnesota and she voted for Trump in 2016. Wasn't sure where she stood right now, but she said the same thing I, I did. You know, you would hope because he doesn't know the role. He would surround himself with smart people. And she said he did it first, but then he fired them all because they didn't agree with him. And I'm not looking for, you know, I didn't have a lot of confidence in his ability to run a business. So that was never like an argument for me. Yeah, I just felt like, well, maybe he can build good relationships because his whole business is based on smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Maybe and he can use those smoke and mirrors to build up seemingly good relationships, right? Yeah. <laughs> or at least start. Well, see where we're at now. But um, we're glad that you guys stuck in this long. And, you know, Chris, I, and I'm, I love doing this. This is like, it's very, it helps me to kind of work through some things. I still don't know where, um, I don't have a clear view on how I feel about where we are in our society. Um, I can identify the pain points, but I haven't really, I can't see like the, the, you know, the path beyond that. So I'm working through that also. And I, so I, I understand where you're at because this is like, you know, people keep saying this is a tough time and it's tough in varying so degrees. many ways, too, <laughs> you know, I mean, like we're dealing with a, a global pandemic, uh, you know, massive unemployment, a huge economic collapse and a, what has been, you know, deemed like the, the bout of the century, you know, the rumble in the jungle, like this is Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and this is yeah. for the future of America. And, uh, you know, it's you know, hard not to feel fucking exhausted at the end of every day. You know, just the, the fact that you made it through, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, I'm glad to be home. Like I, I really get excited when I get home because I feel safe. Yeah. And that's, that's weird. Yeah. You know, I should, I feel, I should feel safe in my, my community. But I will tell you this, man, and I keep hearing this more and more, and I, I know we talked about it early on, but watching somebody die on TV a few times, that was the that was the match. Yep. And I I just don't think as a country that we realize that. You know, and I, I think that it was just kind of like say I won't moment. <laughs> you know, like the country's like, yeah, this is we just gotta make it. Say I won't. Say 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 something else won't happen. Say and what? Bam. Say yeah. what again, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> say what? Yeah. One more goddamn time, and we did. We said what? Yep. And life 
called us on it yeah. and we got to figure out if we're willing to, um, I don't know. We got, I, I don't want to. No, but I think, I mean, the truth of the matter is we've been living the last 30, 40, 50 years under, Post- you know, like this, this, this belief that we had fixed everything, you know, that post civil rights movement, like, well, that was it. The civil rights act got passed. What more do we need to do now? Right. What right. more could black people want? Would they want to stop fucking getting killed for no reason? Just right. like anybody would. I mean, and that's, you know, like you talked about setting an example earlier and being the example. And that's the thing I think I would like more people to think about as you are going through your daily lives, as you interact with other people, as you post online, as you comment, as you think. Take a moment. Think about what you're going to do. And then imagine if you have a kid, that it's your kid doing that. Is that something you'd be proud of? Is that something you would encourage them to do? Because, you know, like there are times when I find myself doing things that I wouldn't ever encourage or be proud of my child doing. But when I find myself doing those things, I fucking correct that behavior. And I think to some degree, like people have gotten so caught up in their own business that we forget that it's not just about us, that for so many of us that are parents out there, you are the example that your children are watching each and every day. And if you don't feel comfortable having them do everything that you do, then just take a moment to re-examine it. Because that's, I mean, that's all it really takes. It doesn't, it, we're not talking about monumental, you know, shifts on a dime. It's, it's hear somebody out, see things from a different perspective. Don't believe that your experience is the only valid one in this world, because we're all valid at the end of the day. And if you can't see that, then I, I honestly feel very, very sorry for you. Well, I'm, I'm, I got nothing after that, bro. Um, I just, (laughs) (laughs) I got rattling around in my head a little bit and it's a mic drop on that one. So we're glad you, you joined us again. Uh, you can always follow us at Chris and Andre show.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you subscribe to the podcast on gosh, I'm screwed up again. Apple music or whatever they call it today. Spotify. Pandora. (laughs) And if we're missing one, just let us know. We'll definitely, you know, we'll figure out a way to get there. Yep. But we enjoy doing this every week and we hope that you guys uh, enjoy listening. Please send us comments at the Chris and Andre show at gmail.com. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And we'll talk to you soon. Why did the dog start seeing a therapist? Because his life was pretty rough. <laughs>